The Money Show. Business Unusual. With Colin Cullors. So, Colin, this whole Elon Musk furore, I mean, he's always been fast and loose with his views on social media, uh, which included, of course, I think I'm going to buy Twitter, and then uh, made an offer, then tried to back away from the offer, and it's all ended up in something of an unholy mess now. Uh, it's all going to court, and it's uh, the adults are in charge again. Yeah, it's one of those stories that on the face of it seems quite simple and you look at it a little longer and you realize actually this is quite complicated. And it's not just complicated because Elon Musk or complicated because, you know, how does Twitter operate and the notions of free speech and it being a public company versus a private company or complicated because of the, the law and the courts and the particular courts in Delaware where they look after this. But I'm hoping for a business unusual angle that speaks to the crazy way influence has affected all of this, uh, mostly Elon Musk to make him make that uh, crazy sort of undertaking. Uh, I'll start by how it all started. And perhaps the easiest way is that on the 8th of July, uh, he uh, announced that he would be formally looking to increase the stake that he had in Twitter to look to buy it. He happened to be uh, taking part in an interview with Chris Anderson, the famous head of the, the TED Talks, and had a long sort of hour, hour and a half long interview. But this was a little take, uh, which he started off the interview with him about the Twitter purchase. And if you listen to the tone of what Elon Musk says, you'll get some sense that this was not going to be maybe quite as simple as everybody hoped. Um, a few hours ago, you made an offer to buy Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, I think it's very important for uh, there to be an inclusive arena for free speech, uh, where all, so, uh, yeah. Um, Twitter has become kind of the de facto town square, um, so. I asked you whether you were thinking of taking over. You said no way. You said, I I do not want to own Twitter. It is a recipe for misery. Everyone will blame me for everything. What on earth changed? No, I think think everyone will still blame me for everything. (laughs) Yeah. If if, if I acquire Twitter and something goes wrong, it's my fault 100%. (laughs) I, I think there will be quite a few arrows. So that was his take. And uh, from the laughter, from his response when somebody sort of gave him the whoop after he said he thinks it's an important thing and his reaction to it, uh, suggests that he is quite heavily influenced by what people say about things. And reminder that uh, at the time, uh, Elon Musk has 80 million followers on Twitter. It's a heady mix that anytime he says anything about anything, he will have thousands and tens of thousands of replies and retweets and, and other people uh, wanting to engage with him, uh, generally thinking he is really super intelligent and, and amazing, uh, with a couple of people mixing in there with uh, scams and uh, not being, not being that, that, that critical. But anyway, since that 8th of July date, um, there was an issue that Twitter tried to sort of resist uh, they, they had this poison pull idea to try and limit how much you would pay. Uh, he then made this big offer to say, I'll give you $54 at the time. Now, the share price was originally around $40 a jump to $50 after his offer. He then put in this $54 offer, uh, which Twitter then said, gosh, you know, we're not sure we're going to get a payout like this. It'll be wrong for us as the board of Twitter, not at least to consider it. They did. They said, we'll take the money. They put it to the shareholders to say, will you accept this deal? They too accepted the deal. And then wheels began to wobble because... Uh, I don't know if it was advisors to Musk, I suspect so, or he himself uh, just thought, hang on, maybe I got a little too caught up in this, or the stock market's general decline in May 
that uh, suggested that one, he would be paying way more for Twitter than actually it was worth. Two, well, how much he would have to give up of his own money to be able to, uh, uh, you know, finance it would be much more than he was considering, given that he did say all along that this was never a sort of a financial uh, reason for him to buy Twitter. He thought this was doing this for the good of civilization and humanity. Uh, but then eventually, I imagine bankers and advisors would have said, gosh, this really is going to take a big chunk out of your uh, out of your pile. So perhaps you want to reconsider. Uh, he had, because again, uh, with 80 million followers, he would have got these strange spam bot accounts looking to do all sorts of nasty things to him. And as an aside, I sent out a tweet ahead of us having this discussion, asking what you think will happen. And one of the replies we have to it is from a spam bot, one of these things trying to get you to go and trade with some other person. So it is a real thing. However, uh, <laughs> Twitter had contended that the issue uh, is about 5% consists of these uh, bots that are being being used and some of them being used maliciously, not all of them, uh, whereas Musk thought it was much higher than that. And it's a consequence of there being so many of these bots trying to do dodgy things on Twitter that then uh, his offer uh, wasn't justified at that price. And because uh, Twitter had materially misstated something, uh, it, it changes the deal and, and said he wants to be able to call it off. Uh, Twitter's con, you know, uh, contested that, saying they stick by their number, uh, and have asked for a court uh, to say this must go through. Now, here's where it gets interesting with this court of chancery, which, if it's the first time somebody hears it, I initially thought, that's a great name to name these courts, because somebody's going to take a chance. Uh, but it's a much older institution, over 200 years, comes from the UK, and, and remains uh, constituted in Delaware, uh, a, a US state that has an inordinate number of companies registered there. To give you some comparison, for for most people you think, well, big businesses in, in, in the US operate in sort of Texas, biggest biggest state there is, 695,000 square kilometers. California, 420,000 kilometers. Gauteng, as a comparison, 18,000 square kilometers. Delaware is 5,000 square kilometers. It has a population of less than a million. It has over 1.6 million businesses registered there. It is effectively a tax-free haven for very large corporations from anywhere in the world that want to be registered and operate under U.S. laws, but with very light sort of um, applications of taxes specifically. But it also has this quite specialized and quite useful court, the Court of Chancery, that doesn't, like many other U.S. criminal and civil courts, make use of juries, which means they can get a case to, to, to be heard much sooner. And because they are judges and typically very specialized judges who understand lots of details about corporate law in particular, uh, you can have your case there and if you feel you've got a good case then you'll have it settled and and, and work for your in in your favor now musk was in that court uh, just a, a year ago uh, there was a challenge by some of the shareholders in tesla that it said his suggestion and efforts to have uh solar city another company that he has major dealings with and is run by a, um, a relative of his uh, should be bought by tesla it was in a bit of trouble at the time uh, and the shareholders of Tesla had said the price that he was looking to pay was way more than it was worth. He was basically saving the company. Well, that court found that the price was fair, but they did also criticize that his involvement in how they were going about it was something that uh, that, that, that was noted. So in some respects, Musk might say, well, I, I kind of won that case, so I'm, I'm feeling kind of good. He might have preferred not to have to go to this court in the first place. Ultimately, it was Twitter who said because when he made his filing to say uh, Twitter's uh, made material uh, misstatements about uh, what they were and said, that he gets to walk away, and they then challenged that and, and went to that court. Both Tesla uh, and um, Twitter are incorporated in Delaware, so they both have got uh, the reason to use this court. Uh, should that court uh, you know, decide either way and the other party not be happy with it, well, fair enough, they can appeal. But you can imagine appealing a court that is specialized with judges 
who have taken many, many years working in the corporate worlds and corporate law firms and settling corporate law uh, would have to be a very, very compelling case. So the likelihood is that uh, this court will be, this case will be heard in October and it will be settled and whatever they decide will probably have to happen. And one maybe footnote, and the reason why I'm kind of picking up this evening is that the uh, Elon Musk's team had brought a, 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 a request yesterday to say they would like to postpone when the court case actually takes place because for him to show the degree to which Twitter has not uh, fully disclosed how many bots there are on the platform would take him a long time to gather all that evidence and, and, you know, get the experts to be able to make this testimony. Twitter said, no, the longer we wait, the worse it is for us. Our share price isn't looking good. We don't want the uncertainty. Please, we want to have this case heard now. And the, the chancellor, the head of the, co- the court, uh, Kathleen McCormick, who had COVID-19 at the time, uh, jumped onto a Zoom call, Tough heard me. the case, and made a decision. Quite incredible uh, work ethic, I must say, for somebody who's, who's looking to do those things. But then we get to sort of what I won't say is the final point, because now uh, now we wait. Now we wait to see which way it'll go. Uh, some legal experts are saying there is uh, possibly an option uh, that'll say Musk can prove that what they did was wrong. There is some evidence to, to prove that material differences uh, to, to his claims could be justified. But most are saying it's unlikely. Most are saying he has made an offer. He waived his rights for, for putting conditions and, and not having them do anything uh, that they've currently done. Uh, and that the only thing he had as a termination was a billion dollars that you pay. Now, Twitter would argue taking a billion dollars to have him walk away is letting him off, uh, you know, with the, the potential for $44 billion uh, that would be paid and that would go to shareholders, which shareholders ultimately invested in Twitter with the hope of one day getting more money than they paid for it. And this, this certainly would be it. So this is the, the situation we are legally uh, as to where we go. And why, in this particular case, we're not going to have a Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard type court case, but a very different kind of one uh, settled in October. But here, Bruce, is the bit that comes to influence. And I, I would be interested to get your your take on this one, because yep. uh, Elon Musk is is brilliant. I think we can, we can agree that he has done some amazing things. But for what he's uh, completed now at, at SpaceX and Tesla, he's not really required day-to-day to run everything. There are still very big projects that need to be done. He's got a lot of side projects that are still looking very unlikely to happen. But it's not like he's got, you know, big things to get Tesla's built and the Model 3 out at production up or, or to get his SpaceX flights working and his Falcon rockets doing what they need to do. So you can imagine if he's got 80 million followers on Twitter and the occasional time he sends a little tweet, he's going to get a lot of really positive reaction coming back at him. And he might be then induced to say, well, this is very important for us to be doing uh, these things. And anytime he does say anything on Twitter, there are a whole bunch of people in the media and elsewhere wanting to report on what he said and reflect on what he said. And it turns into... It gets a lot of exposure as a result of it. And I suppose this you can count as a, a component of that as well. But when he says that Twitter is so influential that it needs to be protected and he's prepared to spend such a big part of his fortune to effectively create this open public town square, then I think he's not fully understood what ultimately Twitter or any media platform is capable of doing when it comes to influencing others. The likelihood is that if you uh, have a strong opinion about something or uh, strongly disagree with something and somebody says something related to that subject, you will uh, you know, spend time and effort to either defend or, 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 or attack that particular thing. That to everybody else looking at it might seem like you're influencing people, you're getting discussion going, it's looking like this is what democracy is supposed to be all about. But the likelihood that you're convincing somebody to change their mind I think is quite great. Well, let me, let me ask you in, in that sense. You, you spend a bit of time on Twitter, I guess. 
Yeah, I mean, there is a reason why so many Bond villains own media companies. There is a reason why um, the rich and the powerful have wanted to own media and have wanted to own communication mechanisms for years because they believe um, that they are able, therefore, to control narratives or at least substantially influence narratives. Um, And I I think that's the deep concern about this is just because you happen to be the richest person in the world for the time being, who are you to dictate the way in which debate goes and the way in which it's managed and how that flow works i'm deeply concerned about this because once you know you go in with good intentions perhaps i don't know what his intentions are don't know the man but i i would be desperately concerned that the commercial imperative <laughs> supersedes um the 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 intention within a very short period of time as the reality of what it's like to run a global social media platform takes hold that would be my concern there certainly would be things that undermine it. And if I just refer back to the Twitter poll that we had this evening to say, do you think he will, A, have to buy Twitter, 14%, uh, interesting, two, get to walk away, 42%, and a similar amount, settle and end the deal, also 42%. Mm. But but here's the thing that I think why the influence is is not wrapped up in it having a specific thing. So own a media company and you can have influence. Uh, we put out the message pretty regularly, all media in this country and around the world, to not drink and drive. We haven't ended that scourge. Uh, Earlier this week, we sent, we celebrated Mandela Day. We asked people to just be good humans, to take some time out of the day and assist others where they can. It's a laudable good message. I can't imagine somebody would say, no, let's not do that. Yet we haven't convinced people to do it everywhere all the time. We haven't got people to stop driving drunk. It's because we don't actually have the ability to change their minds just to reinforce it if they agree with us in the first place. That's my contention. Mm-hmm. But I guess we'll get to find out a little later on uh, to what degree uh, Elon Musk, if he has to buy Twitter or Twitter, if it continues as it is, uh, will actually be able to change our minds about these things. Good thought. Thank you very much. Colin Callis with Business Unusual on a Wednesday night. The